Hey guys, this week's podcast brought to you by Kent Cartridge and Fast Steel 2.0. I've been shooting Kent for over God, 15 years when I was in college. I had to wait tables and bartend just to be able to afford shotgun shells to go duck hunting. Nothing's changed in that time frame. Kent killed ducks then, and it kills ducks now. That's why I still shoot it. Fast Steel 2.0 is just the evolution of Kent's reliable, effective, and industry-leading steel shot technology. You can find it at your local dealer or uh, head over to kentcartridge.com to check out their entire lineup of shot shells. On the road again Just can't wait to get on the road again The life I love is making music with my friends And I can't wait to get on the road again Good morning, good morning, good morning. Cable Smith, welcoming each and every one of you into episode, what is this, uh, 612? Yeah, 612 of SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show. Time flies when you're having fun. Uh, thanks to Mossberg, our longtime presenting sponsor. We've got a great show lined up for you today, but uh, before I tell you all about it, what a blast it was being at SCI's 50th convention in fabulous Las Vegas last weekend. I think it had been, God, been over a decade since I'd been to Vegas uh, for, uh, I think it was a buddy's bachelor party. Uh, the marriage didn't work out, uh, but the bachelor party was fun. And uh, I don't think we even saw our hotel room, except maybe when we checked in and checked out that weekend. Lots of poker playing. And I did play a little poker this this time around. Ended up staying up till way too late on Thursday night. I think 4 a.m. Finally went to bed and then had to be back over at the convention at 9. So red-eyed for sure. And certainly not worth the 150 bucks that I won playing Texas Hold'em. I mean, you can't put a price on sleep at this age. So uh, I should have gone to Vegas, gone to work, and then just slept, right? <laughs> But, uh, no, Erin met me there on Friday. Uh, unfortunately, she had no interest in coming to the convention. She wanted to go play, and uh, her sister went with her. So they had fun, went from casino to casino. No idea what they were doing. Don't care. I was having the time of my life visiting with you guys at the convention, which was awesome. Lots of people showed up, exhibitors from all over the world, and uh, I got to tape quite a few interesting conversations with people from all walks of life. And we're going to play a couple of those today. And we'll sit on a few of them for upcoming shows as well. And speaking of shows, and I'm going to sound like a terrible Christian when I say this, but the wife drug me to a show on Saturday night. It was called Absinthe. Oh my gosh. You talk about just raunchy comedy. I I felt I, like I needed to take a shower when I left that place. Uh, but... Laughed my tail off, and uh, yeah, pretty funny. If you haven't seen that one, view at your own discretion is all I will say, but uh, it had me laughing for sure. So anyway, it was a great trip, and SCI smashed all kinds of records when it comes to raising money for conservation and sustainable use hunting. Um, and one cool thing that happened while I was in Vegas, Washington State, overturned the uh, canceled 2022 spring bear season. And that is solely because of the, all the hell that you and I raised, that 
SCI raised that Sportsman's Alliance put into making sure that our voices were heard as sportsmen because there's no place for emotions when it comes to wildlife management. But, hey, you talk about predators, that's what gets the antis all worked up. That's right, the animal rights activists, it's low-hanging fruit. So, great win for sportsmen and women alike. A great win for Washington State, and uh, hopefully we can can keep that momentum rolling as we continue to fight anti-hunting legislation across the United States and the world here in uh, 2022. And SCI is a big, big part of that. So uh, thanks to SCI for hosting such a great convention and for their continued efforts to uh, fight for our rights as sportsmen. What are we doing today? Let me tell you. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of that Black Rifle coffee out of Granddaddy's beat-up old Stanley Thermos because we're ready to rock and roll. And uh, to get things going, I'll sit down with Alaskan Governor Mike Dunleavy. Literally just approached him walking down one of the aisles there. He was easy to spot. He's uh, the tallest guy in the convention center. He's like 6'7". Made me look like a midget. Or can you say midget in 2022? I don't know. Uh, a little person? Whatever. Made me look very small. <laughs> and I uh, just walked up to him and was like, hey, Governor, um, I'm a big fan of how you give back to our servicemen and women and your passion for hunting. And I knew of him and his efforts because of the uh, SCI Alaska chapter, which I've had on their president uh, a couple times now. And, uh, and one wounded veteran that actually went hunting with the governor uh, in uh, Sergeant Dan Fye. So, yeah, it was cool to uh, – and, and he was so – willing to do it. I was just like, yeah, I can do it right now. I've got lunch plans, but hey, I've got 15 minutes. Love to visit with you. So we'll play that conversation. Then um, Henry will be here because we have yet to talk about my son's first buck, which obviously was the highlight of both of our seasons. And uh, I want to hit that while it's still somewhat fresh. Just haven't had the opportunity yet. So I'll drag Henry in here, see if uh, we can get him to Give us more than a one-word answer. You know, he's at he's at that age, nine years old, where, oh, here's a good example. His mama asked him to give her a kiss the other day in front of one of his buddies. For the first time ever, he was like, eh, I don't know about that, Mom. You know, he kind of was like, eh, and just kind of gave her a hug. <laughs> and you could see her heart just breaking. Oh, it was like, oh, he's not a little boy anymore, and it's only going to get worse. Uh, but, yeah, we'll get Henry in here to talk about our South Texas whitetail hunt. Then we will wrap up today's broadcast by checking in with Vancouver Island, British Columbia outfitter Glenn Wallum of Coastal Fair Hunting Adventures. I was supposed to go hunting with Glenn two years ago. The trip's been postponed three times because of COVID. And uh, so we're going to talk coastal black bears. Why do they get so big on Vancouver Island? And then he's also a passionate houndsman, loves to run his dogs for mountain lion. And in some way, I think his dogs helped save Glenn. And I'll let him explain exactly why. But to all that coming at you, plus what have the vaccine mandates done to Canadian outfitters from a business perspective? I mean, if you're an unvaccinated American, you can't hunt with them. I mean, that's why I haven't gone. So certainly something to think about right there as far as Trudeau and his draconian authoritarian policy that's keeping Canadian outfitters from making an honest living. It's a damn shame. 
But uh, we'll get Glenn's take on all of that as well. Well, let's do a quick giveaway uh, since we're coming right out of the convention. How about an SCI giveaway today? I've got an annual membership. That's like a $7,500 value. Don't, don't know. I uh, just auto-renew. Um, and then we'll throw in an SCI cap and T-shirt. Maybe even a collared shirt. We'll see what they have in the store. But uh, they'll pony it up. No problem. All you have to do is email First for Hunters. That's SCI slogan. That's who they are. That's what they do. They're First for Hunters. Just First for Hunters to Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com. We'll get you entered into today's giveaway. Coming up next, Alaskan Governor Mike Dunleavy joins us right here on the Lone Star Outdoors Show. I miss your smile, miss your touch. I miss your small town way of love. I miss the way my life was spent. Every day was heaven sent. Hey guys, Cable here. And if you're listening to this show, you probably like ARs. And I'm not talking about antler restrictions. I'm talking about, you know, ARs, modern sporting rifles. And. Timber Creek Outdoors has the best way I've found to take your AR to the next level. It's the Enforcer Kit. It features high-end performance parts and jaw-dropping looks. It's perfect for sportsmen, competitors, firearms, enthusiasts, and people who trust their lives to their equipment, like you and I. When combined together, these parts improve usability, as well as ergonomics, big word there, and dependability of any small-framed modern sporting rifle. Timber Creek products are manufactured by Americans in the USA, God bless America. And they implement uncompromising quality control and offer a lifetime warranty. They've got a bunch of different color options, something for everybody. I've got a Hunter Green Enforcer Kit on my 224 Valkyrie. Absolutely love it. You will too. Check out the Enforcer Kit at TimberCreekOutdoorsInc.com. If you're looking to remodel your home, add a deck or arbor to the back patio, redo your fence, or build your dream home from the ground up, Look no further than ECR Construction Group. My longtime bow hunting buddy, Josh Brown, is someone you can trust to deliver honest work on time. ECR Construction Group also serves the North Texas area, specializing in roofing, barn dominium builds, painting, and carpentry. So for your next project, call the folks I trust. That's ECR Construction Group at 214-400-1444 or ecrcg.com. In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of North Texas in Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, McKinney, Paris, and Sherman. Visit BobcatOfDallas.com today. I will be drinking bourbon whiskey all night long with my friends to keep me company. And darling, you won't be on my mind at all. Because I'll be busy drinking bourbon whiskey. Back your belongings. Bourbon whiskey, the name of that one from William Beckman. That guy's going to be, he's going to be a star. I tell you what, what an amazing voice. 
can't be a lick over 21, 22 years old. And uh, my, my youngest brother, who is not into hunting at all, but we enjoy the same kind of music, uh, he saw him at Music Fest in Steamboat. I think William was there as a uh, fill-in for the Dirty River Boys, who all got the vid. Uh, so, yeah, he sent me a link to that on Spotify, and he was like, check this out. It's like a young Roy Orbison, and uh, I, I tend to agree with him. What a voice. Uh, I'm Cable Smith, by the way. Thanks for being here. Episode 612 of SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show, presented by Mossberg Firearms. We're going to check in with Alaskan governor, passionate big-game hunter, Mike Dunleavy. But first, this segment, probably brought to you by Mossberg and the Patriot lineup. It's what I've got in a all manner of calibers. 270. Henry's got a 243. I shot a Cape Buffalo with the 375 Ruger. My all-time favorite, 300 Win Mag. Got a 7 Mag as well. 6.5 Creep. I could go on and on. The Patriot lineup is rugged. It's American-made, and it's not going to break the bank. And here's the cool thing. If you're like me, you beat the hell out of your gear, it's still going to go bang when you pull the trigger. I would know because I abused the crap out of them. It's the Patriot, and you can find it at Mossberg.com. And with that being said, uh, let's go ahead and play our conversation with Alaskan Governor Mike Dunleavy, uh, which I taped at the SCI convention in Vegas last week. Governor, welcome to the show. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Somebody said uh, when I walked in, they said, oh, you just missed the governor. He's the tallest guy in the room. So <laughs> Easy to spot. I started walking that direction. I was like, oh, there he is. Yeah, We've obviously never met. I've been a fan of yours uh, based off of your commitment to taking, be, being active in helping wounded warriors go on once of a lifetime with the um, SCI Alaska chapter and uh, Lewis Cusack, uh, Sergeant, is it, is it Dan's last name, Fi or Fry? Uh, Dan Fi. Fi, okay. And so I did have Dan on the show, and he, ta- he talked about that and said how awesome it was. Just uh, He said you weren't a bitch and that you, you helped – <laughs> help back out a, stuff and Dan you know so I have a soft spot for all of our veterans especially our wounded warriors and um, whenever I can get the opportunity to go out on these hunts I do and and really my role is to just just be there to show respect and appreciation for what these guys went through mm-hmm. so Dan he's a disabled vet yeah served our country um, overseas obviously and um, he was a trooper we rode horses this this, this hunt was a horse hunt up here in Alaska and remote. he's double amputee He's uh, his uh, one leg below the knee is completely gone, right. and the other leg uh, was uh, was uh, had numerous operations yeah. to get it back to uh, you know a point where he could put some weight on it. But he rode horses forever. He never complained once. I've had horses and mules. I've got off and I walked because I was sore. Yeah. Dan never complained, and then. When we I know Dan took riding lessons for that because he'd never ridden horses before. You know, before. and the other thing about Dan is, is interesting. I think that was his only third, his only third hunt. Yeah. He really got into hunting after coming back from the war. But great guy. Got a moose, got a bear. Uh, I, he's thrilled to death, and uh, it was an honor for me to be there with him. And he said you helped pack it out and everything. <laughs> well, the horses did most of the work, to be honest with you. Um, the horses did most of the work, but... Um, He's a trooper. I mean, it, it, not just the he, – he is a trooper. Yeah. Uh, it's spirit and, uh, yeah, just guts. So there's been a lot in your state coming out as far as possible closures of, of caribou and moose areas. And we're talking like hundreds of millions of acres. Um, that's a lot of land. What is the latest on those proposals? And, and I know they got shot down last year. To me, as an outsider, like you asked me off the air, I've never been to Alaska. It's very high on my bucket list. 
but that's federal land. I own that land. You own that land. Everyone in this convention owns that land. Some people, locals, apparently don't like that anymore. Well, you also have, though, deep state bureaucrats in the agencies mm -hmm. that govern these lands. And unlike Texas, which is almost all private land, 60% of Alaska is, is state, or excuse me, federal land. And, but nonetheless, it's Alaska, and we should have open access to it. And so we've got, a, we've got a couple issues where the feds are coming in and basically saying that if you're not a local in that area, uh, you really can't go in there and hunt at certain times. And so this is something that we're fighting because we believe, we believe it's one of the core values of, we all have and rights that we all have, and that is uh, open access to all of our lands. So this is an issue. We're going to try and nip it in the bud. We, we don't want to see this thing growing in, in terms of uh, more and more cases. But uh, you know, it's set a terrible precedent. We've always had issues with the feds up in Alaska. Yeah, yeah just and, uh, meddling in, in y'all's business. <laughs> it's it's uh, they 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 uh, again. There's folks in the inner innards of the uh, organizations and the different agencies that uh, just like to uh, I think make things up. Yeah, yeah. Well, so on a personal level, what do you enjoy hunting? Well, first of all, I I like just getting out. Mm -hmm. So I mean, I, I can go on the wounded warrior hunts and not not even pull a trigger, and I'm thrilled to death to be out there. Um, the more remote, uh, the better off I am. I spent my first 20 years in Alaska, I spent out in the middle of nowhere, basically. We, uh, I lived in a, a small uh, Eskimo village, met my wife up there. She's an uh, Inupiaq Eskimo, been married for 34 years, have three kids. So we lived out in the, pretty much away from the cities for 20 years. But, um, you know, I like hunting caribou. I got a muskox last August. Nice. I go to D uh, Texas and hunt deer. I got some friends in deer, white-tailed deer. Oh, yeah. Uh, we hunt down in Texas. Um, what part of Texas? Uh, San Antonio area uh -huh. and then um, uh, uh, west of San Antonio and south of San Antonio. Really. So south Texas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. And that's, uh, that's fun. I got th those guys are great guys. I love Texans. Uh -huh. I, I, this, I think we're kindred spirits. We are. Uh, their attitude is just, it's just, it's, just uh, it's, so, it's so American. So a lot of friends down there. But I would say a caribou. Uh, I've got moose. Uh, I've got 45 acres up against nothing. And so we've got moose in our backyard every single day. Mm -hmm. um, I like hunting pigs in Texas. Yeah. We oh don't yeah. have those in Alaska. <laughs> and we're on a few states with no pigs. But I would say caribou. I would say, uh, I would say moose, uh, muskox hunt. And uh, it was something that may be of interest to folks. Um, we uh, just reestablished um, a uh, wood bison herd in Alaska, uh -huh. different than a plains bison. Wood bison were in Alaska up until a couple hundred years ago. And a herd was discovered in Canada. So they've shared their herd with us. And... Uh, Wood bison are larger than plains bison. They're the largest uh, animal in North America. So we've got a, a herd established. We're going to grow that herd and be another thing to hunt. Yeah. And so where did you get the, the bison from? Canada, Yukon. Okay. Uh, there was a herd discovered there decades ago. Mm -hmm. They thought they may have become extinct or interbred with the plains bison. But they found a pure herd, and that herd's been somewhat uh, uh, isolated for the purpose of genetics. And, again, we were fortunate enough to get a herd. We're getting a, another herd from them uh, starting this, uh, this coming year. Okay. So. Okay. Um, what is your favorite way to prepare caribou? I've never had caribou, but I hear it's awesome. One of the guys that, that he told me about this DIY drop-in freighter. You just go in. They'll drop you for a week, come pick you up. But they lost all the caribou to grizzly bears. That yeah. happens. Yeah. We yeah. have a lot of bears here. <laughs> yeah. We have a lot of bears here. Yeah. So uh, my wife grew up in caribou. Uh -huh. uh, that's what her folks or her people ate. And uh, so we, we make stews. We make soups. I like boiled caribou tongue. I know some mm. people may say, nah. I'm all in. But I like yeah. caribou heart. Um, so uh, we make some burger, too, tacos. I mean, you can make it in any different way. It's just uh, how well you prepare the meat after you, you know, when you're butchering the animal. 
and then um, you can make almost anything with it. Totally subjective question, but if you had one caliber, you'd say this is the perfect caliber for Alaska. You know, you probably can get a lot of around. I mean, I have a, I have a, I have a 338. I've got a 300. Uh, if you had to have one caliber for Alaska, it'd probably be a 300 or 338. I'd go, I'd go, I'd even go down to a 30 out six only because of the load you can get with that. Yeah. But, um, I mean, you can, you, you know, people hunt with two 23s up there. Seriously. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, well, awesome. Thank you for being here in Vegas. I know you've got a busy schedule, but uh, it's nice to, to sit down and, and, and meet you. And once again, thanks for all you, you do to give back to our, our wounded veterans. It's, uh, it was very cool reading about that. I was like, oh, if I ever see this guy, I want to I wanna sit down and, and I, tell him thanks. I appreciate that, Cable. And uh, everybody, come up to Alaska. It's part of America. And uh, <laughs> it's uh, a little bit bigger than Texas, and we got some big animals. So uh, anyway, great talking with you. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. So there he goes, Alaskan Governor Mike Dunleavy. And he actually told me uh, he came to Texas this past fall. I don't know why we stopped recording, but we did. Um, shot a 207-inch whitetail in South Texas. So, uh, yeah. He certainly enjoys coming down here as well. I'm going to have to uh, reciprocate that and head up to Alaska. That DIY caribou hunt is calling my name. I've been saying that for a few years, uh, but i got to make that a reality because it's it's up there near the top of my old bucket list. Uh, that segment of the show proudly brought to you by Vortex Optics and Vortex Wear. Uh, I literally was playing golf, and you all know I don't play a lot of golf, but if it's your birthday or your bachelor party or if you're moving, like my buddy Justin, who was moving to Denver, uh, I'll play a round of golf with you. And it was chilly. Threw on the uh, Vortex Windbreaker. Bam. Ready to roll. And I find that just about every day there's something from the Vortex Wear lineup that is appropriate. You know, if it's hot, they've got khaki shorts. Uh, but they're that, that stretching material that you could, like, wear fishing. Um, or they've got the Sun Slayer hoodie. That you could also wear from the boat to the bar. They've got flannels. They've got uh, pants. They've got, of course, all of the great hoodies, caps, and T-shirts that Vortex has long been known for. You can find it all at VortexOptics.com, and you'll get 20% off your entire apparel order with that promo code LONESTAR20. Coming up next, Henry and I will relive a South Texas hunt that neither of us will ever forget right here on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Hey y'all, Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Let's face it, guys. We all would love to own land, right? But they're not making any more of it. However... There's a solution. Lone Star Ag Credit has been helping its borrowers finance their own piece of paradise for over 100 years. Whether you want it for recreating, ranching, fishing, hunting, or just to get the hell out of Dodge for the weekend, visit Lone Star Ag Credit today to start making that dream a reality. 
Hey guys, Cable here, and if there's one service, one company that I rely on heavily when planning my next backcountry hunt, it's Onyx Hunt. They have, for a long time, set the gold standard when it comes to giving me the information I need to basically predict where I'm going to find animals. And if you can hone in on where the animals are going to be, you're going to be more successful. Onyx uses their own topo maps, plus, I mean, geographical features like watering holes or a meadow system that works its way down a mountainside where you know those elk are going to be feeding and muleys in the morning and evenings. Yeah, it'll show you that as well. Uh, plus, of course, private property boundaries. Where does the National Forest end? Where does Rancher Joe's property start? Yeah, it's going to show you that as well. So whether you're planning a backcountry hunt or just picking ambush points to hang your tree stands on your whitetail property, Onyx shows it all to you. They've got different layers you can apply to a uh, specific grid or a piece of property. It's really rad. And here's the cool thing. You'll save 20% when you order your Onyx subscription by using my promo code LONESTAR20 when you check out at onxmaps.com. Spawn is right around the corner. Your reels have been re-spooled and the tackle box is ready to roll. But the question is, can your truck handle another season of pulling your boat in and out of the water every weekend? Call David Boone at Third Coast Diesels. He'll make sure your truck is not what sinks your next fishing trip. Offering a widespread array of diesel parts and services, call 214-326-1176 or visit thirdcoastdiesels.com today. Black Rifle Coffee Company is America's coffee company. It's veteran-owned. These guys laid it all on the line, fighting for you and I's freedom. And now they own the most kick-ass coffee company in the world. Whether you like a light roast, a medium roast, or a dark roast, I tend to go with the medium because I drink it black, just like my granddad. Also a uh, proud World War II veteran. Um, God rest his soul. But he always told me, son, if you're going to drink coffee, you got to drink it black. None of that cream or sugar. So... I go with the medium roast, like the AK-47 Espresso Blend. Absolutely love it. But whatever you fancy, they've got a premium roast for you. So check it out. It's BlackRifleCoffee.com, and you'll save 20% off your entire order of coffee or swag. They've got some great apparel, uh, among other things. But 20% off when you use my promo code LONESTAR20 when you check out at BlackRifleCoffee.com. Cable Smith, welcoming each and every one of you back into SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show, presented by Mossberg Firearms. So great to be here talking outdoors with you, as we're all set to check in with my little man, Henry Guy Smith, and we'll recap how his whitetail deer season went. It was better than mine, I'll tell you that. <laughs> but uh, before we do so, this segment, brought to you by my friends over at All Season Smokers. You know them for their feeders and blinds, but All Seasons has long been making some of the best grills and barbecue pits on the market. I would know because I've got not only the pellet grill, but two of their smokers sitting on the back patio as well. Uh, they're awesome. And when it comes to the pellet grill, just set it and walk away. People are like, oh, that's cheating. You know what? Maybe it is. That's why sometimes I'll still fire up the traditional smoker. But having a perfectly cooked uh, pronghorn shoulder or entire feral hog, you name it, 
set it and walk away, you can't beat it for convenience. And it's always cooked perfectly. It's too easy. You can find their entire lineup at asfsmokers.com. And with that being said, let's bring on our next guest. He's perhaps the biggest fan of the uh, ASF Smokers and Grills because the kid literally, if it's meat that one of us shot, it's going in his mouth. Sometimes it's raw. He just walks by and says, is that cooked, Dad? No, before I can even say anything, it's in his mouth. Like, jeez, dude. Okay, come on, Henry. He will literally eat anything uh, without further delay. Here he is begrudgingly. Henry, thanks for humoring me, son. Hi. <laughs> it's it's like pulling teeth to get you on this time. That's okay. You're getting older. You're more uh, independent. Don't want to do things that dad wants you to do. But you know what you do like to do? Go hunting with dad. Yeah. And we went to South Texas two times this year yep. to try to get you your first buck. Mm-hmm. The first time mom and the girls and Belle... The whole crew went down there to our buddy Chisholm, Mr. Chisholm's ranch. Yes. That was cool, huh? Yep. And you shot your first? Um, My javelina. You shot a javelina. Dropped it right in its tracks. And got to take your first shot at a coyote. Yeah. Missed that one. That's okay. It wasn't, they don't, coyotes don't stand still for no, long. No, they don't. No, and especially when we're hunting a sendero. Mm-hmm. very small window for I mean they have to be out in the Sendero you're never going to see them in that brush country yeah mm-hmm. what did you think of South Texas um it's cool I liked it a lot of thick brush huh mm-hmm. well we didn't we never did get the buck and Chisholm had about three or four deer on camera that he was like these are nice management bucks that Henry can shoot and they were all eight points the nicest actually I don't think we saw any of them though did we no, we saw one once. But it was but too it was foggy. foggy. That's yeah. right. The first morning. That's right. We did see one of them. And I would say out of the three, he was probably the second best. Yeah. But we th- there was one really old one, eight point, that I, I was hoping we'd get to see. But we never got a shot at one of them. By the, time the f- by the time it was light enough for me to see and verify which deer it was, the opportunity was gone. So yeah. It wasn't there anymore. But we did pick up a nice javelina recipe while we were there. Yep. And everyone in camp got to eat your javelina. Mm-hmm. No leftovers. <laughs> <laughs> so Chisholm uh, smoked it for a couple hours and then braised it in the oven at 225 for like eight hours. And it was just fall apart tender. Yep. It was great. And then I've made it at home for us because when we went back, I shot javelina. Mm-hmm. I was like, ah, Henry, you don't get all the trigger time. <laughs> Dad's trigger finger gets itchy too, you know? Yep. Um, but when we got back from that trip, something happened as we pulled into the driveway after a six and a half hour drive. I got a text from the neighbor of our dear lease that they'd shot Freaky. Yeah. You weren't happy about that. Mm-mm. <laughs> yeah, he was such a unique deer, huh? Yep. And we hunted our butts off for him. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many sits you and I did this year. This season, but it was like dang near 30. Yeah. Like if you count morning and afternoon as separate sets, like mm-hmm. we spent a lot of time in the deer blind together. Yeah. You never complained, which I got to give you kudos for. I mean, there was a time when you first started deer hunting with me that if I didn't bring like an iPad or something for you to do, we were lucky to get an hour hunt in. That was a few years ago. Every year you get more and more invested into the hunt and all the animals and when we were in South Texas, we saw something cool called a uh, a green jay. 
Yeah. That which was cool. Which was different. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Chisholm invites us to come back. And we just go for a guy's weekend. It's me, you, Chisholm, and his friend Luke, his high school buddy. Yep. I think you might have heard some maybe more bad words on that trip than you've ever heard before. Huh? <laughs> oh, good. You don't know what they are. <laughs> One of my friends told me that you hear them at school anyway. And I said, I don't think so. He just turned nine. He's in third grade. So. Huh? I don't know. Good. Blank stare. That's a good answer. So we go back down there. Make the six and a half hour drive back to Ensenal, and um, we pass on the way on the on the county road leading into the ranch gates. There's this huge mud puddle. Yeah. And you were like, "Dad, drive through that," and I was like, "No, Henry, I'm not going to do that because then I'm going to be unloading the truck and be wearing all that mud." <laughs> but boys like mud, right? Yeah. Dads like mud too. So, about I think it was the next day. You're like, when we leave, can we drive through that mud? What did I tell you? If I got a good shot on my deer, you would. And you dropped him in the Sendero. Yep. And we didn't have to go tracking him through the brush. Mm-mm. And what gun were you shooting? The, um, a two forty three. And you'd practice with that quite a bit? Yes. Does it kick very hard? No. Especially with the suppressor? Mm-hmm. So we get there. Chisholm shows us uh, some updated photos. And we sit, I think, like three or four more times before the buck comes out. Yeah. And I think you might have been, your eyes might have been closed. You're nodding off. And I was like, Henry. That's not true. That's not true. (laughs) But the buck did come out. Yep. And you couldn't get steady on him. Remember? Mm Mm-hmm. I couldn't. And you, Henry was so apologetic. He was like, I'm sorry, Dad. I couldn't get on him. What did I say? Uh, it's okay. Yeah, of course. It's okay, dude. I don't want you to take a bad shot. I want you to be 100% comfortable when you pull that trigger, right? Mm-hmm. Then what happens? It came out another time, but it just, like, walked right by the Sendero. Uh-huh. And then it came out for a third time for, like, a good amount of time. And I got a shot off, and I dropped him right into the Sendero. <laughs> yeah, you did, dude. And I think after you took the shot, I think you said, Dad, you were more nervous than me. Because <laughs> I, I was, like, shaking. Yeah. I was so pumped up for you. I think I was more nervous than you. You were calm, and uh, this mature eight-point walks out, and I think we aged him at, like, six and a half years old. Yeah. Henry absolutely smokes him. Where did I tell you to shoot him? Um, right behind its shoulder. Yeah, and that was uh, a Hornady American Whitetail 100-grain bullet. Really did a number on that big buck. But then he was still kicking a little bit, and I was like, I don't want him to go anywhere, so I told you to shoot him again. And I accidentally shot um, two points off. <laughs> so the deer was facing us, and his antlers were covering the vitals, and Henry... He didn't know this until he walked up, and I had already seen it because I walked up there first just to make sure the deer was dead. And Henry had shot the G3 and G4 clean off right at the main beam on the left side. Mm-hmm. That was disappointing. I know you were upset about it, right? Yeah. But it was no big deal. I mean, the the piece of the antler was just laying right there by the deer, so we taped it to the back to the main beam for the pictures, and nobody ever knew. Nope. Couldn't even it tell. It was like in the sun. It just looked normal. Yeah. 
Yeah, and Josh and Becky over at Rustic Reminders will just, they'll fix it right up for you. Mm-hmm. No one will ever know, except for the people listening to the show. But when yeah. they look at the mount, yeah. they'll have no idea. Wouldn't know. Uh-uh. So, first of all, were you proud of your shot? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And secondly, what did you think when you walked up on that big old South Texas buck? Um, I didn't realize how big it actually was. Yeah, I mean, it weighed over 200 pounds. I think it was exactly on 200. Yeah, because I think we yeah, we did weigh it. They yeah. like to keep records of all the all the deer for uh, historical purposes. And it was six and a half years old, mm-hmm. really old buck, and it was the buck that we wanted. Yeah. Man, I got to tell you, Henry, that was the highlight of my hunting season, watching you find success and, and shoot your first buck. And now you're spoiled rotten. You shot that deer when you were eight years old. I didn't shoot my first buck till I was like 22 years old. <laughs> Amazing, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And what then we took the deer to we dropped off the cape and horns at the at Josh and Becky's. Mhm. And then we went to Cinnamon Creek. And what are you getting that deer turned into? Um meatball, sausage, and beef jerky. Well, deer jerky. Yeah. That's right. Your favorites, huh? Oh, freezer's going to be full because of you again. So somebody had to pull their weight because Dad didn't get uh, what I shot a, a doe the last weekend of the season. But yeah, yeah. Well, it was a heck of a season, man. And I uh, I couldn't pry a lot out of you here, but I appreciate you humoring me and and coming on and and talking about your deer hunt. And so going back to the mud puddle, though, what was the deal that we made? Um, you drive through it if I got. Um, a clean, good shot of my deer. And so what did we do? You drove through it. <laughs> and then my truck was completely filthy. Yeah. And the next day I said, let's go, hop in. And where did where did I take you? The car wash. <laughs> yes, I took I took us to the car wash and said, here you go, clean up this mess, Henry. Which I think you enjoyed that too. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a win-win for you. All right, son, I know you want to go play with your friends. I love you. I'm proud of you. And uh, I look forward to uh, making more memories in the deer blind with you next season. Yep. Me too. All right. Get out of here. There he goes. Henry Guy Smith. Uh, he's pretty even kill kid. Doesn't show a lot of emotion. And even though I know him and w- know that he was like thrilled inside, Chisholm was like, is, is he not excited about shooting this deer? Like I can find another kid. to." No. <laughs> I was like, Chisholm, he doesn't like the attention. He re- that's just his personality. He's weird like that. Like uh, if he scores a goal in a soccer game, kind of gets embarrassed when everyone starts yelling his name and cheering for him. And, I mean, of course, Chisholm and I were like hooking and high-fiving and hooting and hollering, and Henry's just there even keel. So, <laughs> um, But I know he was pumped. He has, he has not stopped talking about it. And he saves his bullets that he has shot big game animals with and writes where he shot them. And what it was, and, and puts him in a, puts him in his top drawer. I don't know. I never, I never have done that, but uh, he does, and he's very particular. Uh, and he's also he takes a lot of pride in providing meat for the family. And every time I go to the freezer, he's like, "Is that one I shot, Dad?" And when I tell him yes, he's grinning from ear to ear. So, anyway, uh, hell of a season. Uh, no big buck for me, but I don't think it could have played out any better. Where the entire season pivoted with the neighbor shooting freaky and, and it really became just about getting Henry a buck. And although my, my itchy trigger finger hasn't gone anywhere, um, I always, I always knew that this day 
and this time period of my life was coming. I didn't realize it would be here so quickly. That was left up to Henry. And when he said he wanted to start deer hunting, hey, that was totally his choice. Uh, but I couldn't be happier about it, to be honest. I'm grinning right now talking about it. I can't wait to get that mount back from Rustic Reminders and, and put it up in Henry's room. And uh, and that segment, by the way, brought to you by Rustic Reminders. Whether it's your kid's first buck or first duck, hell, maybe you shot your biggest buck or caught your biggest bass this fall. Whatever it may be, Rustic Reminders does amazing work. They offer quick turnaround time. They answer the phone when you call. Imagine that. You can find them at GR, the number eight mounts.com. Coming up next, how have vaccine mandates affected uh, business for Canadian outfitters? Well, I had the pleasure of sitting down with one of them, Vancouver Island's Glenn Wallum of Coastal Bear Hunting Adventures. We'll get his take on that. Plus, we'll talk some hounds as Glenn is also very passionate about running big cats with his pack of hounds. So uh, lots of cool stuff coming up next on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Guess I'll meet you in the middle. Hey guys, Cable Smith here for Stealth Cam. You know that I've been with Stealth Cam for a long time, and there's a reason for that. The cameras are reliable, and they offer the best photo quality in the industry. Check out the Reactor or the Fusion. Those are the latest and greatest wireless cell cameras from Stealth Cam. Sending images to the Stealth Cam app right there on your phone. It's like Christmas every day. Instant updates. Check those cameras. Get those bucks patterned, or know when you need to be at a certain stand because the hogs are coming in, like clockwork. Whatever the case, check it out. You can find the entire lineup of Stealth Cameras cameras. <laughs> that sounds funny. You can find the <laughs> you can find the entire lineup at StealthCam.com. Cable here for Big and J Whitetail Attractants. Few things are more enjoyable than to watch the kids put out the Big and J BB squared, and then start beating Dad up to look at his cell phone. Why? Because they want to see what bucks are coming to eat the Big and J. You can find their entire lineup of whitetail attractants at BigandJ.com. Tactical Skeleton Firearms specializes in custom AR-10 firearms. They're best known for their AR-10 308 pistols. Also dual caliber AR-10 rifle systems and dual caliber AR-15 takedown pistols. Tactical Skeleton specializes in custom Cerakoting engraving. And they'll custom laser cut the foam insert inside your hard gun case. They'll also take on any exotic caliber build offered on the AR-10 or AR-15 platform. Precision machining and hand-built quality guaranteed by a lifetime warranty? Who does that? Get free shipping on your order when you visit tacticalskeleton.com today. There's something nostalgic about the old-timey general store, and that's exactly what you're going to find in downtown Goldwave, Texas at the Mills County General Store. They're licensed FFL with rifle, pistols, and shotguns, ammo, gun accessories, hunting accessories, deer, corn, and attractants, sporting goods. They've got a wide array of knives to choose from, plus insulated apparel for both work and camo for hunting season, fishing supplies. They've got foods like Anchor Tea, grass-fed beef, Dublin sodas, gourmet sauces, and a whole lot more. Also, Ace Hardware. From wall to wall, they have it all. Check it out. The Mills County General Store right there in Goldweight, Texas. Hey 
Turnpike Turnpike Troubadours by request from Henry's favorite band. Not that he's listening to the show, but he's like, Dad, play some Turnpike. All right, son. There you go. Uh, Cable Smith here with you. Thanks for dropping by today. We are all set to check in with longtime British Columbia, uh, Vancouver Island, specifically, Bear Outfitter, Glenn Wallum. But before we do that, this segment of the presentation brought to you by NUMA and the Alpha Vertex system. If you're a southern whitetail hunter, maybe you're a, a spring bear hunter, whatever the case, if, if you're hunting in temperatures, let's just say above 40 degrees, all you need is a base layer and throw on the Alpha Vertex. It's comfortable, it's quiet, it's perfect for bow hunting. You can find the Alpha Vertex as well as NUMA's entire lineup of outdoor apparel right there at numaoutdoors.com. Save 20% too with that promo code LONESTAR20 at checkout. All right. Well, I've known Glenn Wallum for some time, uh, but that's just been you know through social media, phone conversations. I finally had the chance to shake his hand and meet him face-to-face in Las Vegas last week at uh, SCI's 50th anniversary convention. Naturally, I, I drug him over to Media Row, which – Really was just me. <laughs> I mean, I had a. They they said here's media row. Well, I didn't see any other uh, media members utilizing it, so I threw my banner up and just called it mine for the for the convention. Uh, thanks to SCI for making that space available, because we knocked out a lot of great conversations right there, and this one was one of them. So uh, let's roll it right now. Glenn Wallum, Coastal Bear Hunting Adventures. It's nice to visit with you. Nice to finally meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you too. Yeah. So uh, you and I have been talking for a while and. Have had a a black bear hunt planned on. Um, you t- you talk about legendary places to go black bear hunting, and Vancouver Island is like at the top of that list. It really is, yeah. So. We got some really big bears. And a lot yeah. of bears, or just big bears? Um, no, I would say a lot of bears. I, in an average day, you know, you can count anywhere from uh, seven to upwards of twenty uh, plus bears in a day. So I would say that's a lot of bears. Uh huh. Yeah. I was um. I was talking to Jim Shockey a couple of years ago. It was like probably first when we, when we first started talking, and it was yep. about some stupid anti-gun thing that Trudeau was doing, um, which he was obviously opposed to. And, and we started visiting just off the air, and I was telling him about going hunting with you. And he's like, yeah, that's very close to where I hunt. Yeah. And, you, I mean, people see the bears that, that, they, that he shoots up there. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the bears are generally the same from the south end to the north end of the island. Mm-hmm. Um, What's unique, I think, about our area is, is the gates. You know, we, uh, we have a logging company, Mosaic, um, that has its private land. Uh, they gate all their, all their land, so all the roads that we use to access the, the bare areas, they got gates on them. Uh-huh. Uh, we get keys to those. You know, it doesn't keep everybody out. You know, you still got guys with quads and, and bikes that like to build trails around the gates and, and get in there to hunt, but... You know, generally, uh, when we we ha- we're hunting during in May, you know, we have those areas to ourselves. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, very, very good uh, hunting. Uh, we're killing bears that are, you know, 10 to 15 years of age. Oh wow! And uh, it only takes, uh, you know, generally six, seven years to get a a, a big bear. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you're killing bears that are 10 to 15 years, you know, you know, the the hunting pressure is. Uh, just not there. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, and so as an outfitter, explain to me how it works in Canada. Like here, obviously, you just lease whatever you can afford. Yeah. And you're usually leasing private land. I've hunted in Canada quite a few times. Um, Alberta. Um, I've been to Newfoundland. And that seems like in those cases, it was leased land from the government. Yeah. Well, we, like for us, there's seven guide territories on Vancouver Island. Mm -hmm. And what you do, what the, the guide, uh, you know, the guides themselves, they hold, hold or the owners, they hold a certificate. So it's a, gui it's a certificate, guide certificate um, that, um, you know, gives you the guiding rights to a certain area. So the areas are all broken up. We, you know, ourselves, we have management units. Um, our guide territory is management two, three, four, and five. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it kind of goes up the island and it's broken up into, um, you know, 2,000 square mile pieces up to, you know, 10,000 square mile pieces. Oh, wow. So, you know, we have 4,000 square miles to hunt. And so we have the guiding rights to that area. Nobody else can guide. It doesn't mean that uh, a local hunter can go go hunting there, but truthfully, um, for whatever reason, you know, the island doesn't produce a lot of bear hunters. Huh. So but a local hunter could still go in there. Yeah, they, they yeah they can buy. Even though a, you have, you have at least. So. I, I it's not a lease. I I own the guiding rights. Okay. So as long if they want to go in and and hunt on their own for for whatever they're doing, whether it be meat or a trophy. You know, they can do that, but, uh -huh. you know, truthfully, we don't get a ton of bear hunters on Vancouver Island. You know, I don't know if guys are just used to seeing them or I don't know what th what it is, but we have deer hunters, yeah. but uh, not a ton of bear hunters. What about, so, so you also have giant <clears throat> Roosevelt elk there. Yeah. So could I, could a local guy come in there and hunt those? No, hmm. that's on a LEH uh, system. So I've been putting in for... For LEH for, are you all right there? Yeah, I'm sorry, dude. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's okay. I had Omicron like two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, and I have this little throat tickle. Yeah, this remnant yeah. from that gift. So yeah, yeah. Anyway. So um, yeah, we, it's the elk Roosevelt elk are on the LEH system. I've been putting in for 30 years and haven't been drawn. 30 years. 30 years. So, so it's a once in a lifetime tag. W absolutely, if you're lucky. Mm. So there's there's people that don't ever get drawn. Wow, so that's incredible. It is incredible. We where the guide outfitters, if they have elk in their area, uh, they're on a five year quota. So depending on where you are and how many elk the the government uh, issues, uh, you know, for us we have, I think it's fifteen elk in in five years, and okay. we have to spread those elk accordingly. So, you know, typically we're doing three a year. Yeah. So, but after, did you, did you lose elk hunters because of COVID? Oh, absolutely. I had. Uh, I know you lost a lot of bear hunters. I mean, that's oh, why yeah. I haven't bear hunted. With yeah, well, exactly. We had elk hunters that were uh, supposed to be coming in this year, mm -hmm. uh, last year, the year before that. Um, basically, um, they don't want to get uh, vaccinated, and I don't blame them. Yeah. So yeah, we lost some elk hunters. And and like you said, that's why I. That's why I haven't actually gone bear hunting yeah. with you yet. And, um, well, you know, hopefully that's going to change. Um, what percentage of your bear hunters are Americans? I would say 
probably 98% are Americans. Is that also is that isn't that a weird thing to say Americans because aren't you you're American too, right? Like, yeah, I think so. But maybe Americans are just too. There, I said it again. Maybe people from the United States are too arrogant. We just think we're the only yeah, Americans. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, so 98%. I would say that. Yeah, I don't. There are uh, uh, guide outfits that cater to you know the Europeans and, uh, but we we haven't gone there. Okay. Uh, most of our clients are from the U.S. So. So you lost, obviously, in 2020, you lost. There wasn't I lost a, everything. Yeah, there wasn't a season. Yeah, there was, I've, I've lost two bear seasons and uh, an elk season. Uh-huh. And so I was able to recoup uh, last year's elk season by selling our elk hunts to Canadians. I okay. was lucky enough uh, to be able to do that. But, you know, we're all hurting. Yeah. You know, we need to get back to business. Oh, absolutely. So. And I've said this on the air before, when I... When I went back to Africa, so we didn't go in 2020 because of COVID and yeah. canceled. I went in February of 2021, and we were the first uh, safari back in, I'm not going to say in the entire Eastern Cape, but certainly with our outfitter. Yeah. And the, the bartender at the airport was like, oh, my God, Americans. You were the first Americans we've seen in over a year. Yeah. Please have a beer. Have a hamburger. Yeah. Like, you got a good hamburger? He was like, yes. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, we like cold beer, so yeah. sign us up. And we, you know, we had a, that was in Johannesburg and we had a layover before we flew to Port Elizabeth. So anyway, it, it's not just Canadians that are hurting. No. It's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Uh, but it, it's such a crock you know, of shit, to it, be honest uh, with you. It really is. I, I got a hard time with it. You know, Canada and the U.S. are pretty tight. And honestly, I, for Canada or the U.S. not to allow, you know, either party to be coming in is, is ridiculous. Yeah, o- so you over, had to get a vaccine to come here. Yeah, over the flu. Yeah. Because that's all this is. Yeah, yeah. And, and so. the flu does kill people, right? Yeah. But if you're healthy and mm-hmm. you're active, odds are you're probably not yeah. going to get that sick. I mean, exactly. And even in our camps, like, it's not like, uh, you know, guys come in and, and they're just roaming all over town. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they come into our camp and they're there for five days and you pick them up at the airport and they, you drop them off at the airport. Mm-hmm. So... It's uh, it it this whatever this COVID has been has been very tough. Um, yeah, on everybody. Well, I'm hoping that it changes mm-hmm. in the near future because I damn sure want to come yeah. bear hunting with you. Yeah, we want you up there. Um, you also do mountain lion. I, that's the thing. Yeah. I, I, I mean, oh, yeah. I like that a lot too. Uh, I always said I would only kill one mountain lion. Yeah. I shot one in Colorado a couple years ago, about four or five years ago. I'm getting itched to do it again. Yeah. Like, I think I want to. Okay. I even called the taxidermist and said, you know what? Hold off on mounting that one. I think I want to get yeah. a bigger one. Yeah. So. I don't blame you. I love the dogs. That's the thing. Yeah, me too. I'm a dog man too. So I've are those been, your hounds then? Yeah, I've been cougar hunting for, for 30 years. Mm-hmm. So I used to be a tree faller. So five years ago, I got into a bad accident. Yeah. Got hit with a tree limb and, and my nerves pulled out of my spine. So I can't move my left arm. Uh-huh. You know, having my dogs... And, you know, looking out the window and having them there was a drive for me to, to get better, to, to push myself to get back out. And uh, the, the cougar hunting means a lot to me. Those hounds that I have mean a lot to me. Um, I spend a ton of time out in the bush with them. Let's just say uh, after deer hunting season in November, I started cat hunting. And I cat hunt right into early parts of June when it starts to get warm and we put up 38 cat in that time frame so I'm out there 
um, yeah. a fair bit. And we, out of those 38, we killed two mm -hmm. out of those 38. So, um, yeah, we need you up there to kill a few more. So that brings up an interesting question, mm -hmm. and it's, it, it was very similar to the guy that I hunted with in Colorado in his entire career. I don't know how many mountain lions he's guided and yep. has killed. I know how many he's killed personally, one. Yep. And it's in his house and is in his kitchen, yeah. full body mount. But he yeah. has never killed another one. He has no interest in killing another no. one. He's fine if you do it. Yeah. But he also, like, we don't really, we don't kill females. No, never. never. So, or certainly we, not cubs. And yeah, absolutely not. I've, in my career, I've killed four cats. You know, every once in a while, you've got to kill one for the dogs. The dogs mm -hmm. do you know, something tremendous, and you just, you can't walk away from every Gotta cat. Reward them. But as far as killing females, absolutely not. Let me tell you something. When a female has kittens and she kills a, a deer, you know, they sit and feed on it for a day or two. The mother, you know, that she-cat, she turns out and starts looking for another deer or an elk. Um, she kills one, um, and then, you know, she might feed on it for another day, and and then when she's going back to get her kittens, well, when she leaves her kittens and going back, you know, you got cat hunters out there that, you know, may cut her track, let loose on her, put her up a tree. And if you shoot her, you know, they're, they have no idea that she's got kittens back there right. that are depending on her. And I, as a cat hunter, there's no way that you should be shooting a female. And if you do, I don't really know how you could live with yourself, you know, I, I'm just not that guy. Yeah. You know, we're, we're after the toms. And uh, like I said, we put 38 up a, up a tree. Not all of them were females. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think we probably treed 10 or 12 toms. Uh, we killed the two, two largest that we put up. So, and were those with hunters? No, they were. Uh, I got some good friends that, yeah. you know, every once in a while, I, you know, we take out different people. And mm -hmm. I personally, I, like, I've killed four. I don't want to kill another one. Well, you do um, guide. So, you will take hunters. Oh, absolutely, yeah. You know, yeah. When, when you come up bear hunting, mm -hmm. what I'm going to do is I, I'm going to start running my dogs. I'm going to get up nice and early. I'm going to go run my dogs until it starts getting hot. And I bet in you know, that five days that you're there that I'm going to put up one or two cats. Mm -hmm. And I put up a nice tom. Well, then, you know, it gives, uh, you know, our clients an opportunity to, to put one down nice so yeah. you know i'll do that so i'll, I'll tell you in, in what you said about you know uh, about killing females and the one that i actually killed was a female but it was it had been depredating it had killed two foals yeah and so this was day 18 over three different hunts with this outfitter i flew yep. to colorado three times over two years and uh we had caught four females before that yeah let them all go Private landowner said, "You can hunt whatever you catch. You have to kill because it's killed. I got yeah two of my yeah. foals. Yeah. So we put it up a tree, and um, he looks at me. He's like, it's a female. Damn it! What do you want to do?' Well, I said, "Well, what what is the option? Basically, I have to kill it. He goes, or I'll have to kill it. But right. we have to kill it. And I said, "Well, that seems dumb. I said, we've we've paid our dues. We're on day 18 or whatever it is. Yeah. We've put cats up trees. We've let females go. This one is a problem." It's taking a killing livestock, yeah. so I said. And she won't stop. Right. So right. I understand that. You know, we don't have that, those type of problems on the island, yeah. at least where I'm hunting. Yeah. Um, you know, you get the odd cat that comes into town, and the game department has to put them down. But generally speaking, 
Yeah. Most cougar hunters aren't targeting females. Oh, God, no. He didn't no, want me to. He, was like, he thought it was the worst thing ever. He was like, damn yeah. it. You know, yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. And, and then he was going to either have to kill his second lion in a 30-year career. Yeah. Or it was up to me. And I was like, well, well you did the if, right you, thing. if I let you, Wayne, kill this cougar, then we have to go kill another one for me. And I was like, that doesn't seem right. Yeah. So. And that cat won't stop killing livestock. No. If they've done it once. It's like when they come into town and they start killing dogs and house cats. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not going to stop. Welcome to California. Yeah, well, they do that. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, um, I'll tell you how I really feel about uh, Californians and their pets. And uh, also... We're going to get into the hounds that make this whole thing happen. I love a good hunting dog. Glenn, I know you're passionate about them, but uh, every houndsman has his own idea of what a pack of hounds should be. I'm going to talk about yours. Uh, we'll do that next. That segment brought to you by Stealth Cam and the DS4K Ultra, offering the highest quality 4K video on the market. You can find the DS4K Ultra at StealthCam.com. We'll be right back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Hey guys, Cable here, and last year was a wild year for censorship. It's only continuing in 2022 uh, for us hunters and anglers. So I've partnered with the social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild was built by outdoorsmen and women, by hunters and anglers just like you. It's a free social community. Not only are your photos not censored, they're encouraged. Imagine that. Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. As you earn points, you unlock awesome rewards too, such as gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so many more. Oh, and if you create a free account, you get 10 bucks to the store just for trying it out. Visit DownloadGoWild.com to get started, and I'll see you over there. Cable here, and if you're like me, you probably enjoy bold flavors and cuisines. And nobody does Cajun and Creole better than Chris's Specialty Foods in Frisco. Their forte includes specialty sausages, boudins, and andouille, pre-cooked soups, gumbos, and sides, where all you have to do is heat it up. What about high-quality steaks, smoked and fried turkeys, turduckins, and turducken rolls for the holidays, plus gift boxes. Storefront conveniently located off Dallas Parkway in Frisco, or shop online at chrisespecialtyfoods.com and have it delivered to your door. Not a word, not a word can say what your eyes can say. And baby, when you're talking that way, it's almost more than this old boy can take. That's the latest from our very own Josh Ward. Love it. Where it's going, bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Thank you so much for spending a part of your week with me. Uh, I'm Cable Smith, by the way. And it's not lost on me that there are a million different shows, podcasts out there that you could choose to listen to. But you continue to support this one. And uh, I am truly appreciative for each and every one of you guys. Uh, thank you. Uh, we're still visiting with British Columbia 
outfitter Glenn Wallum of Coastal Bear Adventures. Before we pick it up with Glenn, however, this segment of the show brought to you by Big and J Whitetail Attractants. Here's the deal. I wouldn't tell you to use it if it didn't work and spread out over three different places that I had the opportunity to deer hunt this year. The results were the same. Put out the Big and J, literally, if you put it out in the morning, that afternoon, you're going to have deer. And it doesn't take bucks long to find it either. I don't know what's in it, but the recipe is one for success. You can find Big and J's entire lineup of attractants right there at BigandJ.com. Uh, all right, well, Glenn, you know, I have a, I have a confession to make about California. And not all Californians are bad, and, and Californians aren't bad people. They're just in a bad way. And they've been led astray by the people they've elected, so it's their fault, right? I mean, <laughs> you made your bed. Uh, I feel bad saying it, but I like seeing the videos where the mountain lions are eating people's <laughs> cats out of their backyards. You yeah. know why? Because your state's so screwed up that you don't allow mountain lions. That's lion right. Exactly. So that's what you get. Yeah. You know exactly. what? Elects people that don't make, that don't manage wildlife with emotions, and then Fido won't get ripped off of your back porch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. That's funny. But well, no, generally speaking, though, most cat hunters, you know, they're if if they've been doing it for any length of time, they do it for a living. Um, they're just not those type of guys where they want to kill those cats. Yeah. You know, they're after the toms. Everybody wants to put up a big tom. So most of the guys, you know, before we get, you know, that are that are killing those females are a lot of times deer hunters that have bought a tag and, mm-hmm. and just luckily, you know, they see one and, and they don't really think about, you know, the kitten aspect of it. Or it's cat hunters that are newly into the sport. Um, I was there once, I think, you know, I was 19 years old and, you know, we probably killed, you know, too many of my friends and yeah. what have you. And you go through that, but, you know, once you do that for a couple of years and grow up a little bit and you realize what you're actually doing out there and what's going, you know, figuring out what's going on, you just don't do that. So. And I think that's why it's important to really vet someone, an outfitter, find out if they're, re- if they're a houndsman. Yeah, or if they're really a commercial hunter, because there are, and I guarantee you, there's there's got to be at least one in here that, and and I have a friend that killed a, a female with him in Utah. It's just volume. It's yeah, you know, and, and and sometimes they'll just call you and say, "Are you are you flexible on your schedule? We'll put a cat up a tree. Yeah. How fast can you get to Utah?" Type deal, or you know, they'll put you in a hotel and they'll call you when the cat's up the tree. Don't care if it's a female. Yeah, but. To me, you're missing out on the hunt. Like oh, the whole hunt. Hearing thing. the dogs go off when they're yeah. running up. A, uh, well, it's well, just I, doing your homework, even cutting the track. And, and like for us, we've got a lot of road systems. So mm-hmm. you cut a cat track, you just don't crank your dogs loose. You know, you got to, you know, drive and cover different roads and see if it's crossed. And, you know, that's the fun part is trying to box it in somewhere and, uh, you know, not letting go on a track that you've got to chase for 12 hours to catch it right you know I, i'm sure in places that's how it is like in the desert or i i really don't know but mm-hmm. where i'm from uh half of the fun is is doing the detective work you know trying to you know make it easy on your hound dogs well and, yeah i think that's what yeah. uh being actual an actual houndsman is right yeah i think it's fun so describe the the style of of, of cougar hunting um is it because I don't, BC seems like, well, Vancouver Island seems like a, a very wet place. Yeah, and I actually, I wet. forgot to say, I did do a, uh, a seven day trap line trip 
in BC with uh, Babine Guides Outfitters five or six years ago. Okay. It was cold, and yeah. there was snow everywhere. Is that what it's like for you guys in the wintertime? Um, we get a lot of rain in the wintertime. Because so I've seen some of your pictures, yeah. and it's not all, it looks like sometimes you're doing dry ground. Yeah, that's exactly what we're doing. Yeah. I find that uh, you know, those cats, when it's raining, for whatever reason, those, those deer a lot of times like to get in the open and, and close to the road systems. Mm -hmm. So we run those logging roads, and quite often, you know, the dogs will pick up on a track, and they'll have that cat up in about 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a really hot track. Um, we're, you know, when we're hunting in the winter and there's snow on the ground, we're driving around with our heads hanging out the window, right. you know, looking for that track and, uh, you know, looking for that tom track. It's, it's different hunting. I, pr I wish that we got no snow. Uh -huh. And, you know, we just ran dogs. It would probably eliminate 80% of the houndsmen out there <laughs> right. that are out in the bush. Okay, but that's right? a catch-22 because yeah. is that is, yeah, they're probably killing more females than they should be and mm -hmm. maybe not carrying on this tradition in the way that a real houndsman would like to see it done. But they're also carrying on running hounds. Yeah. You know, and it seems like, I'm not saying it's a dying sport. It's not. No. But I think we still need that younger generation. You do. Even if they're, like you said, you were there one time. Yeah. Maybe if, if they're not doing it 100% the right way, well, yeah. at least I, they're still doing it and have the passion for that's it. That's right. I take the time to, you know, when I run into these guys out in the bush, to take the time and, and talk to them and, you know, befriend them and, mm -hmm. you know, not so much educate them right away, but, you know, try to turn them onto that, on that, on that path. Yeah. You know, not everybody is. Some There's cat hunters out there that, love to deer hunt and in their mind you know by getting rid of the the cats you know they're gonna up that deer population right, so right. you know you can't blame them for it's just not the way i do things uh -huh. it doesn't mean it's the right way yeah. it just means that's oh that's it's the, the way, way that i do. respect for yeah. you know what i mean and i and the dry ground thing really appeals to me because oh, it's fun when i booked with a guy in colorado he he didn't have a it was at a dsc show and i met his cousin and I was shopping around looking for the perfect outfit. I wanted to do dry grounding. Yeah. None of the guys that I interviewed, is this what you're doing? You're interviewing an outfitter when you're talking to him. Yeah. Is this a good fit for me? Is this the hunt that I, the experience that I'm looking for? None of them really stuck out to me. So I started talking to this guy. He's like, well, you should call my cousin Wayne in Rangeley, Colorado. So, okay, well, does he do dry ground? He goes, that's his, that's his specialty. And I said, yeah. okay, that's what I want to do. So we went in, I think it was April. And did seven days, and it rained every day, and the conditions just were not good for yeah. it. Um, even snowed one day, and but not enough to stick to where you could, where you yeah. could uh, cut a track on it. And so, ended up going back over Christmas the next year and did it in the snow, and we caught three cats, all nice. females though. Let them all go. Went back again. I think it was in the next December. So thinking it's going to be in the snow, there wasn't any snow on the ground. First day, dry ground, when we, when we were hunting on that guy's private land. And, yeah. I was, and that was another thing. I was like, well, it couldn't be. It, it was what I wanted. We did it on dry ground. Like, I acted like I did anything. Yeah. I just was there. <laughs> but uh, the dogs did yeah. that. I wanted to see that. Yeah. You know, um, so I like the dry ground. Yeah, that's the best part. Watching their tails start wagging and, you know, they start chopping or, or you know, barking the way they do, and, and then off they go. Mm -hmm. uh, there's nothing better. What kind of hounds yeah. do you have? I'm running uh, those little 45-pound, you know, running running walkers. Okay. 
and uh, that's what I use. Yeah. Uh, I run all females. You know, I, I like I was telling you, I used to tree fall. I got hurt, uh -huh. and I find that those little females are really easy for me to handle. Mm -hmm. um, they're just uh, they're very timid. They're easy to break um, off a of deer trash. So I don't chase bears. I don't I don't chase deer. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't chase raccoon. Um, the every, once in a while, I get a, a bit of problems with them wanting to put a pine marten up a tree, huh. but uh, you know that's not that's not too often. But when they when they start uh, chopping on that, uh, on you know wagging their tails or wagging, they start barking the way they do. It's you know that I know that cat's going up a tree. They are good dogs. And lynx you know, too. Uh, we don't have lynx on the island, oh, okay. so they're just just mountain mine. Huh. And uh, you know, I have. They're they're fantastic dogs, easy to handle. Um, now some of those some of those males, especially the ones that aren't cut. Yeah. Oh, they're rough. Like. Oh, they can we be. We saw. Uh, I don't know how many times we were breaking up fights in yeah. between these dogs. Well, see, that's the thing. It's a pack. There's a hierarchy. You, it, you better not fall out of line. Yeah. It, like I said, I've been hunting for 30 years, mm -hmm. and <laughs> I I'm looking for something when I'm looking to buy a hound or, you know, I ask a lot of questions. I, I have, you know, we could throw eight, nine hounds together and not one of them is growling in the dog box. I can't begin to tell you the last time that I had a dog fight. Um, I don't ha own hounds like that. Yeah. You know, I, I can yell at one of my hounds and, you know, they whimper. Like they're that, those type of dogs. Mm -hmm. They are pleasers. Um, they're, I can't, they're so well behaved. I, well, he I had just, a string like that, and yeah. that was the females and the neutered males, yeah. <laughs> the other ones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he had to have, he was breeding all his own dogs, and he probably had 25, 30 oh, dogs. Oh, that's a lot different. So he had to have, you know, he had to have intact males yep. to carry on his bloodline. Well, he, could, he only ran the males together because he yeah. wanted breeding the, you know, females. Oh, and, and then he said that when they would run with the, a neutered male that the neutered males just didn't stand a chance like they didn't yeah. have the the, drive. the stomach for the fight no they uh -huh. had the drive for the cats but just like they just got beat up too much like yeah. the other ones too much testosterone yeah you know, <laughs> uh, it, you know i I've, I've owned six seven dogs at a time i've never owned 20 25 hounds uh -huh. together so you know i'm just talking about you know my experience with these dogs i don't put up with dog fights yeah i uh, just life's too short to own a dog like that um, you know, some guys might tell you, you know, you can't get away from it. And maybe that's the case. If you've got females coming into, into heat and you've got males that aren't neutered, well, I guess yeah, you're, you're going to... Nature's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I don't own dogs like that. Like yeah. I said, all my females, I, uh, they're fixed. Mm -hmm. um, I have one male, he's fixed. Yeah. I just don't have dog fights. Yeah. And I run with a buddy that's you've got... you cut that out of the equation. Yeah, four or five hounds and... I could shove my dogs in his dog box and his and mine, and like I said, they don't growl. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. they're good dogs. So as we're wrapping things up here, yeah. what, and this is because you hear people say, oh, you got a 200-pound mountain lion. And yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, maybe, maybe you did. But mm -hmm. generally speaking, isn't about 180 pounds as big as they're going to get? Um, <coughs> I can't. <coughs> 180 pound mountain lion <coughs> on the island i i personally have never treated anything over 160 pounds okay um 
It's not to say that we haven't caught one that big. Mm-hmm. I do have a, a, a person that I know has caught one in, in the low 170s. I believe that he weighed it, and but I personally have not treated one over 160. Okay, well, know? that just so, adds validity to what I'm yeah. saying. They're 200. That's a huge mountain. And they could be in the northern country that you could have those cats that are that big. But um, anyways, yeah. Very, but unlikely, okay. Yeah. Right on. We don't have them on the island, so. What is your, uh, what's your website? Uh, my website. Your website, yeah. Yeah, Glenn at uh, Vancouver Island. No, Bear. that's your email address. My, oh, my email. <laughs> okay. your web, Coastal Bear Hunting Adventures. Is that yeah, your website? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. And on Instagram, it's just Coastal Bear Adventures. Correct, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, hey, it was great running into yeah. you here at uh, SCI in Vegas, and um, I hope all this crap that we've seen over the last two years gets sorted out. Yeah. And I know a lot of your clientele doesn't want to get vaccinated. Yeah. Um, I don't blame and them. And that's been a big problem. So yeah. hopefully, hopefully our governments can come together and just yeah. say, hey, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna ease up on the restrictions. I really hope so. Yeah. It'd be good for everybody. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the time. Yeah. Thank you. For yeah. Me. Nice visiting with you. You betcha. So there he goes, Glenn Wallum of Coastal Bear Adventures, Vancouver Island, British Columbia. Um, man, what a hunt that would be. Take a nice black bear, spot and stock, and then wrap things up with uh, chasing a cat. That Two apex predators right there in one hunt. Be awesome. Hopefully we can make that happen when Trudeau gets his head out of his ass. Uh, that segment of the presentation was proudly brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy and John X Safaris. The date is booked for this summer, July 25th through August 2nd. Here's the cool thing. I'm taking five hunters with me. One of you will get your entire daily rate and lodging comped. That's a $3,600 value. So no pH fee, no lodging. All you're going to pay for is your animals. $3,600, and we're going to raffle that off the first night in camp. So one in five chance. But you have to be in South Africa to win. <laughs> so uh, there's the catch. Book the trip. You're entered into the raffle. One in five chance. 3600 bucks back into your pocket. Um, yeah, shoot me an email if you're interested. This will be my sixth safari with John X, July 25th through August 2nd. Uh, email is just lonestaroutdoorshow at gmail.com. Uh, unfortunately, we are out of time for today. Got to go. Got to get out of here. Thanks to all of our guests, Governor Mike Dunleavy of Alaska, Henry Guy Smith, and Glenn Wallum. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show. Until then, I'm Cable Smith saying, y'all have a great week in the outdoors.